Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I know you are here wanting to change and rewrite your story. You are desiring to step into the impact that you know you were here to create. I am here to guide you with the proven tools and strategies used by myself and our speakers to support you in taking radical responsibility in your life and learning how to own your choices to change your story. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a storytelling business coach, master NLP trainer, speaker, podcaster, and seven times published author. My clients have found freedom and purpose from overcoming their shame stories and learning how to share them with the world. I am so grateful you are here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are speaking with Cindy Little. Cindy is a health, business, and self-improvement coach. We actually crossed paths probably 10, 12 years ago, probably at least 12 years ago. And we connected and really found a mutual love for health and wellness. And over the years, we've I've seen her online, we followed each other, and she reached out earlier this year wanting to share her story on this podcast. And I knew, I knew I wanted to give her space to be able to share because this is an incredibly powerful episode as Cindy shares her experience of reflecting on life and growing through grief. So let's give you a little bit of backstory first on Cindy. Her fitness and health background combined with her training as an intelligence operation coach with health coach, health podcaster, public speaker, upcoming author, and she's an avid reader and learner of self-growth. She is also a Harley motorcyclist and has traveled all of Canada, many of the U.S. states, and she's a golfer and pickleball enthusiast. Cindy is a mother of two and wife of 28 years to her sweetheart, retired military husband, Darren. Cindy has lived a life of action from serving in the military in her younger years and has jumped out of military aircraft and served on a UN tour in Croatia for six months when she was 24 years old. Fast forward another 24 years and you could find her competing on stage at age 48, winning a master's in figure bodybuilding competition. Cindy lives by the motto, prepare, live life now. She is driven by duty and service to others and sees the bigger picture for her others, even when they don't see it for themselves yet. So that is a beautiful snapshot of who Cindy is. In this episode, we get real vulnerable and talk about Cindy's personal story of navigating and growing through grief or the loss of their son, Dylan, at 21 years old. Cindy openly shares some of the do's and don'ts when you are supporting someone in a grief experience and how to navigate interrupt patterns, start your healing journey, see your blind spots, and really reach out, honor yourself, compassion, what you need at the time, and reach out and ask for that support when you're in that space. And sometimes support can come from places that you might not expect it to, which I think is a beautiful part of the story. Cindy shares how the loss of Dylan made her reassess everything in her life that is vital for survival. In this episode, she talks about coming to a space of knowing that she wanted to share the story, that she wanted to write a book, what it's like to actually publish a book. She's in that process right now, and I'm so honored to share Cindy, 
her story, Dylan's story with you today. And I'm so proud of her, of what she's doing, because she is the epitome of what we talk about in the show. She is sharing her story with you so that you can see it through her eyes as a mother walking through an experience that none of us would have wanted to live through. And she's done it in such a beautiful way that honors Dylan. So I'm grateful to be able to share the show with you. Welcome to the show today, Cindy. I am thrilled to have you here. Awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to it, Marcia. So we crossed paths, I'm not sure how many years ago, but we crossed paths in the same network marketing company. And I know like I got to meet you personally and as well have always just kind of followed you online. And I just, I know that what we're going to lead into today is a little bit different, but I know this is where our paths originally started. So if you don't mind, would you give a little bit of an intro as to who you are and what your background has been? Well, thank you for having me again. And uh, yeah, so I've been in the medical field, well, the fitness and health industry for over 30 years. Mm. And my passion really is in helping people, regardless of whether it's nutrition, working out, fitness. I'm a retired personal trainer, a retired military medic. And now I focus on both online nutrition and with self-improvement through communication, kind of like not not exactly what you do, but it's it's yeah. more personality value decoding people. And I just did a seminar on the weekend and it was really amazing that, you know, how important relationships are today. And that's actually what I, I'm trained in now, the six intelligences. And uh, a lot of people actually don't know what the six intelligences are. Can I share that with of you? Of course, of course. Awesome. So we have business intelligence, sales intelligence, emotional intelligence, personality intelligence, artificial intelligence, emotional intelligence, and spiritual intelligence. And when you combine those six intelligences, you've got a really good, well-rounded way to approach life and business. Mm. And I, I, I tell you, Marcia, it actually helped me when, and I know that we haven't talked about this yet, and this might be startling for some people. I'm a 53-year-old woman. And I lost my son a year and a half ago in a car accident when he was 21. And that completely shifted my train of thought, my emotional state, my spiritual state. And luckily that I had that emotional and spiritual training prior to that, Mm -hmm. that it seemed to help pull me out of the trenches a lot quicker and out of despair and out of a world of just being lost. And, and so I think, you know, the more that we do for self growth, we can prepare ourselves for some of the worst storms that we're going to face. And I'm not the only one to have lost a child. There's other people out there that have lost a child. There's other people that just lost their spouses recently. A friend of ours just recently lost a spouse. Oh my gosh. Like I, my heart dropped. I know. So you're with someone for 27 years and then and then your your partner dies on you. I I just, you know, like a lot of people say, I can't imagine losing a son. Well, I can't imagine either, but I it did happen. And I don't want people to imagine losing a child. And I don't want people to imagine losing a uh, spouse, but it it's one of the worst things that can happen, I'm sure. And how are you going to get through it? 
right? Yeah, there's definitely, thank you for touching on that to start. And I just want to, I know because I know some of our paths have crossed a lot, but I can say, you know, when I first joined a network marketing company, for me, it really opened up the whole idea of personal development and understanding and growing yourself. And those tools I learned before we started going through so many challenges with our kids. And I am so grateful for even those first couple of years of learning so that when things, I mean, because life is going to happen to all of us, unfortunately, things are going to happen. And the more we can learn how to navigate, and I mean, it's not like it's a straight line navigating. We all know it's messy and it's not it's not clear, but really learning to grow ourselves, it can help in those difficult times. So that for me was a big eye opener. And I appreciate you talking about the, you know, all of the different areas that you have learned with personal growth and development and how it can help to navigate some of those difficult times. Yeah. I I think that you're never done learning. Like Mm -mm. you got to continually improve yourself. And, and actually my seminar last weekend was about that. Like, improving yourself like because we're all on the um ascension ladder like we're we're trying to ascend to the higher self or the higher being that we can be mm-hmm. and by being the best person that you can be whether it's through nutrition fitness like taking care of yourself self-care and and growing and learning mm-hmm. all those things make us better people so that we can give more to other people and help other people i, I think we're all meant to be here to help each other I I couldn't agree more. I honestly couldn't agree more. And I think that's a big piece is that when we're in a difficult time, if we could see, you know, something that helped me to navigate it was to look at how can I help somebody else? How can I do something and maybe get out of my way to help me to like make this journey about somebody else? And as soon as that started to happen, it helped me to shift and maybe find a little bit more purpose from a really dark time. So I... I can't, I mean, and I, and I don't even want to say those words because I know everybody says that to you. I can't imagine. I've, I even, as we refer to this one person who I've looked at her Facebook, I don't know how many times in the last day going, I, I just, I feel sick. I feel sick and I'm so sorry for what they're going through. And it's constant messages of, I can't imagine, I can't imagine, I can't imagine. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people don't know what to say in those moments but that's a really, that's, I, and I've worked, had a lot of different people speaking on grief on here. And that is one of the things I keep hearing over and over is like, don't say I can't imagine because it is something that we're all going to walk through. And it's almost creating this sense of not believing, like it's hard to believe that that happens. So I just kind of would like to dive into what happened with your son and what those first few days were like. And we don't have to spend a lot of time there, but also talking a little bit. I mean, as we go through this episode, I think it's important that maybe we can share from somebody who's walked through this level of grief, how can we better support each other when we're in this this difficult time? Mm-hmm. So when the Ontario Provincial Police showed up at our door at noon that day, October 25th, 2021, 
I didn't know what they were there for. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're coming to arrest me for making political statements about the situation that, you know, that was going on at that time. Uh, And me not complying with some of the things that they wanted us to do. And like, I don't know what was going through my mind. Like, just, you know, like, what the heck is the police doing on my step? Yep. (laughs) And my husband was home at the time. And uh, I didn't actually want to let the police in. And I, I, and they said, well, can you, can you let us in? I said, well, hold on. My husband's here. I'll just call up my husband. And he was like, what, what the heck do the police want from us? You know, like we're law abiding citizens. And, and so they said, well, can, can we, can we come in? And I was very hesitant to let them in. I don't know what it was, but anyway, so they come in and they, they point blank said the sentence. Your son, Dylan Little, was involved in a car accident and he died. That's exactly what they said. Like, bam, like bomb. Like they didn't make, they didn't, they didn't say, I think you should sit down. Um, They didn't really prep it very well. And I was in disbelief. I said, no, no, he's, he, he just went to his first day on a new job. Uh, He left at seven this morning. I said goodbye to him. Mm -hmm. And my husband immediately broke down. He knew. And I, I was like in disbelief, like, no, it's not, it can't be our son. And then I started questioning the police, like, what was he driving, mm-hmm. you know, and then they were telling me the information and they said, we, we weren't the police on, on scene, but we are half a kilometer up the road and we were told to come down and, and inform you so that you don't find out through social media or some other way. And so um, then we invited them in. And Darren and like when it really, when it really, when I accepted that that was true, Mm -hmm. I broke down and we both broke down. Of course. And, and just grasped each other and cried uncontrollably. Yep. You take as much time as you need and we're not going to stay here forever. Okay. Because I don't want, I do not want to put you, I just. I so admire how you showed up and shared and still gave back to yourselves because this is, this is not something, there's nothing that preps you for this. Right. Oddly enough, like as we started talking to them and getting as much information as we could, I, I thought to make them coffee. Like I was more concerned about them than myself. And I, 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 I was thinking like, it must be awful to be a police officer and go to somebody's house and tell them that. Yes. I as it turned out, both of them were parents as well. And as it turned out, they both took time off of work after delivering that message to us because they were. Oh, it was a lot for them too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just thank you for sharing that. And I appreciate, like, I just appreciate you being here and sharing this because I know there's so much in what you walk through that is going to support somebody else who is having, unfortunately, to walk through this. And so you spent some time, obviously, I saw Facebook blow up immediately, not immediately, but I did see it. And it was just like, my heart just sunk. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I just, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the worst things, Marcia, was having to tell our daughter. Yes. We have two children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and her fiance and we texted her and said, there's been an emergency and we need you to come. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she is at work yet or she, 
I think she even had to leave work. I, I can't remember, but it, um, we didn't tell her what it was, but she, she thought it was my husband or, yep. you know, cause he had some knee surgery and, uh, well, that, that was after, um, it would be yeah. natural that it would be maybe one of us. Like we, we fell or we hurt ourselves somehow. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Anyway, it was the worst thing to have to tell our daughter. Yeah. And the police from the scene were two women um, officers and they were really good. Mm-hmm. And they stepped out of the room when Amy and Connor, uh, the fiance came in and we told Amy and. Yeah. That's a, that is not the news that you want to, nobody wants to have to be able to do that. And so that was 2021. And I know we've spoken a couple of times, but you said like, you just basically had to give yourself time. Like you have to give yourself time. I think like there's just no textbook for grief as to what it's supposed to look like, how long it's supposed to be, etc. And so if there's somebody who is listening right now who has walked through some level of grief or they're just experiencing it right now, is there anything you can share with them on how to how to listen, how to navigate, and how to do whatever you need to do for yourself during that time? Well, I think um, people, friends, and neighbors were just so um, supportive and giving. People showed up to um, just hug us and and give us food and and the first week I was on mission mode I I actually probably didn't break down mm-hmm. as much as I I could and should have in that first week um, so it took about a week well I mean I I had to plan for the celebration of life and his like. Um, uh, the cremation and and make yeah. arrangements with the funeral home and and to get his car and get the stuff out of his car and the car was a total write off he uh, he had hit a trailer that was being pulled by a truck and he he immediately died like it it wouldn't have been a good uh, I mean there's no way to say like had he survived it it wouldn't have right. been he would have probably been paraplegic and I, I, I know my son, like he, he was telling me just a couple of weeks prior to that, that he didn't want to be an old man. And I believe him. I actually didn't see him as an old man. Mm-hmm. And he also said he didn't want to bring kids into this world because it was that time of, of so much turmoil mm-hmm. in, in the news and in the pol in politics and, and with the mandates and things like that. And, young kids like 20 at 21 they just you know being able to afford a house and afford to pay their bills and things like that they have a lot of stress and yeah. he he said he didn't want to bring kids into the world and I didn't see him as a father at that age either like I mean mm-hmm. not that at 21 you're a lot of people aren't ready to have a child nowadays so I mean no. back in the old days that was perfectly fine yeah but yeah no he I think he knew. Um, I think he knew. And so to some degree, it kind of gave me a little bit of peace knowing that he knew that he wasn't going to be an old man. Like he mm-hmm. lived 
like that last weekend, he partied with his friends. He had two of his best friends have birthdays and he went to both of them and he spent his last, um, last few hours with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, till like 1230 at night. Um, and then he was starting work the next day at seven. So he, you know, he really lived that last weekend. Like it was probably, I don't know if people know they're going to die. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes you look back and you reflect on things that are said and it's like, oh, it's, we, we lost a friend in March and when it happened, like she was 31 and a mom. And when it happened, like all of us were looking back through our messages back from her and it's like, did she know? Was this part of what, like, it was just an interesting, you kind of, you see it differently at the time, but I I know we all had moments of going, yeah, I think, I think she did know. Well, the crazy thing too, was the week that, that same week or the week before Dylan was in the kitchen, he was making his breakfast before work and he asked me for a hug. Can I have a hug, mom? I said, yeah, of course. Like, like, Mm -hmm. why, why are you asking? Like, yeah, come in here and give me a hug. Yep. And so he hugged me and he hugged me really hard and really long. And it felt like more than just a regular hug. Yeah. And I said, it, it was so much that I said, are you okay? And he says, yeah, I'm okay. I said, are you sure? And, <laughs> and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But I, I really feel like that hug really meant more than just a hug. Mm, and I love that. I mean, I'm a mom of two boys, so I just, I've never had girls. I have nieces, but I love that it was just this open space of absolutely like, it's still, it's, it's those things, right? The hugs, the, the extra things that you just create that space. So it's not even a question of course, of course. Mm -hmm. And I love that you had that relationship with him. I do just want to pause for one second because as you're saying that I could hear and think of myself in a sense that I think that first week or two weeks is all about doing, right? It's doing all the things you have to do in order to, and then all that it doesn't hit the family doesn't have time for it to almost land until everything is done. That's right. And then everybody else goes back on their life. They're back on their trajectory. They might mean well, but our lives are going back to normal. And now new normal sets in. And I I could see myself when you're saying that. And I'm like, I could see myself doing that, being that I just got to get all this stuff done in order to make this happen. And then the actual really starting to let it land happens after. Yeah. 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 It was actually exactly two and a half weeks later where I really got the sucker punch in my gut. And I just failed. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I absolutely, that would be, how is that, how is that not possible with what you were walking through? And so you gave yourself time, right? You gave yourself time to, to heal, to process, to work through it. And how, is there anything that you can share of what that was like, even that first few months, just navigating like some days grief is a roller coaster, right? Some days it's, Absolutely. you know, you're feeling good and it's like, okay, I think I'm, and then all of a sudden the next day, it's like, where did that come from? It knocks you out from under the knees and it's hard to explain. Yeah. It's, it, it's such a, it, like looking back, like, I don't even know how we got through it. Like each day was a chore to just shower. It was a chore to make a bed. Like it was a chore to eat a meal. Like you, you weren't thinking about anything 
like, like I can't like, you know, normally in life, you get up, you do your affirmations, your gratitudes, your fitness, yep. you're walking the woods with the dog, you got like timings, right? Yep. The world stopped. Mm-hmm. It, it just completely stopped and nothing mattered. Yep. Yep. And I, I, we couldn't function. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Like for the first time in my life, I didn't have control. Well, exactly. And I was just going to say with your background and everything and both of your background, right? Like you both have military background. And so speaking of like very regimented, very like, this is, this is like root tough. Yeah. Very tough. Very tough. Yeah. Yeah. See my husband, I think it, I think it was almost more difficult for me to see my husband. Yeah. Break down the way he did. Yeah. He, he was not coping at all. And seen, you know, he was a special operations guy for the last 17 years of his 26 year military career. Hardcore has seen stuff that no one wants to see. He did stuff that people don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And for to see him react the way he did with our son, it was uh, unbelievable. Like I, I just, I felt like I lost both my men. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I was going to ask that. I wasn't sure how to ask that. It's almost like you do, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that he was able to release and express himself because we don't want to bottle that up either, but you're almost in a space of like, you're both trying to navigate it and trying to figure out how to even heal or start this. And you both would feel very lost. I, I completely, yeah. And then, and then you know, in full transparency, because I, I really don't feel like I have to prove anything. We both turned to alcohol more than we would normally. And um, at the five week mark, after uh, Dylan's passing, we decided we needed a change of, of scenery. And we, we actually packed up our truck and our dog mm-hmm. and headed out to the mountains in, in BC and Alberta. Uh, so we did a road trip all across Canada to get to get there, four day road trip to go stay with friends, our best friends that could take care of us, mm-hmm. and be out and in you know go on nature walks and things like that. And we were going to stay there for Christmas, but then we felt like, oh my gosh, what if something happens to Amy? Then you know the anxiety. My husband had bad anxiety about our one child left. Mm-hmm. Like, how is she going to? If, if anything happened to her, we wouldn't be able to get there fast enough in our vehicle. Um, and that's the time when you couldn't fly. Um, yeah. So there is that going on in our mind and the restrictions that were happening uh, with the mandates. And just it, it was just so much um, stress and pressure. And we we ended up coming home two days before Christmas, and and that when we got home, our daughter had COVID, so we couldn't see her for another week. <laughs> we course. rushed home for Christmas to surprise her, and then she had COVID. Um, but uh, we we did need a change of scenery, so like that was one thing that was nice. And you know, if people if this ever happened to a parent, like you want to have at least three months of income saved. Or you want to have reoccurring payments, like some kind of a passive residual form of income, mm-hmm. because Darren and I, it took us a long time to want to have that mojo to to go back to work. Uh, Darren actually just recently, a year and a half later, has went back to work, but he did have two surgeries back to back 
mm-hmm. last year. So that kind of put a it put him in more pain, more stress, and the healing of the grief. It it was more even more challenging. So um, I recommend holding off on surgeries if you can until grief is well past. And I mean, everybody is different for how long grief is going. Like I I know people that are ten years ahead of us with losing their children and they, they still feel like every day is agony. Like I'm thinking, Holy crap, like agony every day. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. No, no, you're allowed. You're totally allowed. You're a hundred percent allowed here. Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) but it's not every day like that. Like, but, um, everybody experiences it different. Like my husband was, was not coping as well as myself. And I, I, and I credit, um, you know, a lot of the things that I do, like meditation, yoga, working out, he couldn't work out because he is under surgery. Um, yeah, that makes it hard. And I mean, just to say too, that time was very stressful being in Canada. It, I have never experienced exactly. that kind of division. Um, yeah. uh, I just haven't. I have never experienced... We had immediate family that wouldn't see us. We were scolded. We were very criticized. It was just a really difficult time period. And then like to walk through something like that at the same time, it just is a, it's just as a compounding factor, which makes that even harder. And and I had, and I had had an ear surgery, two, two good surgeries, but they went wrong. Um, and, and the the second one, actually, um, the recovery from it uh, made me deaf in my oh. left ear. Oh, yeah. Man. So, uh, that was unfortunate, but there is a reason why I was telling you about the deafness. Um, so at the, at the funeral homes, you can only have 75 people. Mm-hmm. So you're limited and they, at least it was 75. I know when my, my friend died the year prior or like, yeah, the year prior, you can only have 25 people in a retirement, uh, not a retirement, a funeral home. And I didn't want to do it at a funeral home, even just making the plans. We all had to wear masks and being a deaf person, not seeing people's lips or hearing people behind a mask made it even more difficult. Like I'm already stressed out. I'm already in grief and I can't hear people. And for me to wear a mask at my son's funeral, no thanks. And so I held it at my own house and we had probably 300 people here. It was against the regulations probably at that time, but no one's going to tell me who couldn't grief with me, you know? Yeah. So I, I just, and I thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's just important to put in context, like, like all of those other things on top of it at that, at that time, how much more stressful that was. We, we lost, um, my cousin who was really close to at that, um, during that time. And we walked into the funeral home and, um, I, we had to have a time slot, right. You had to have a booking. We could only have like 25 people. It was all these things at that time. And when we walked in, the person running the funeral home looked at me and said, okay, so you're not allowed to hug anyone. You're allowed to fist pump them. And I'm like, you want me to walk in and fist pump somebody at a funeral? Like, I'm, I'm just like, is there anything more tacky that like, what are we going to high five? Like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. And I walked in, I just looked at him. I walked right in. And he followed me in and I went and hugged my cousins and my, my husband, like, he's like, you could not have completely revolted with what he said than what you did. Yeah. I was like, I would, there's no way I was fist pumping people in the funeral. Like I just couldn't even fathom what we were being asked. So yeah. I'm glad that you followed your gut and had it at your, had at your house. I really am. I think that that's because I do remember 
you also like his circle of friends, right? So Dylan's circle of friends, you like, there was something that was really special about that, that I felt like, you know, cause there's still 21 year old kids trying to navigate this at the same time too. So I really saw a lot of, um, and you're going to tell this better than I am, but I really felt like there was this inviting them in as well at the same time, which I thought was pretty powerful. Well, when on the celebration of life, we had two timings. So the younger, the kids like his age came and then the family members and the military members came later in the day. And I'm telling you the row that like there's a lineup down the road of people coming in, flowing in through the house, the shoes, there's so many shoes that they had to be out in the whole front yard, the front yard and the sidewalks were full of shoes mm-hmm. and they just so respectful, so nice. And they all filed down to the basement and they all filled out little cute cards of memories of Dylan. And my daughter mm-hmm. put them in a little photo album memory book and some of the funny things that they said that they did with Dylan and and at least six people said that Dylan was their best friend we didn't even know Dylan's friends like what very well he didn't bring them home because we live 30 minutes from the city when we moved out to the new place where we live in a golf community and then all the he worked at the golf course and all of the golf staff came too Mm -hmm. and they just the nice words that they said about him and it just made my heart um, just, and then I met his girlfriend, not knowing he had a girlfriend, he had only been dating her for a month before I died. And she came and, and introduced herself as autumn. And she said, I felt like we were soulmates. We didn't know each other long, but I felt like we were soulmates. And her dad was a welder and Dar- Dylan went to school for welding. And it just like all these, these things were just so amazing. And then um, on Dylan's birthday, the, the, the birthday after February 1st, um, I had all of his friends come back because there's something about having his friends. It's like they're, I don't know what the word is, but they're, it's, it's like having his friends be in our house felt I was closer to him. Of course. Of course. Yeah. It's a part of him, right? And it's a part of him. And I, I think that's a, I don't know how to say other than I think it's a win-win it's but for both of you, it served, it served something for both of you. And I think that that's beautiful that you opened up your home to that because I mean, I've raised two boys and I know that we went through a lot of our challenges, but boys don't share as many things. So I like people say, yeah, who are their friends? I don't know. I found out my, my one son had a very serious girlfriend in a very awkward way. And there's no other way to say it. And it was like, okay, okay, well, here we go. This is, this is just, boys are just different. They are different. And so I can, I can relate to that. So where in that journey, did you hit a point saying, I think I want to write a book, or I think I want to talk about this more. I think I want to share because, you know, it's one thing to work on healing through something as challenging as this, it's another to write a book about it. And it's another to share that journey. So what was that road like for you? Well, a year after it was his year anniversary, actually, I went to, we have a memorial bench in the woods along the river. And I went there and sat on the bench and I asked like Dylan or the universe, both. I said, "What? where am I going from here? I'm going through perimenopause as well. So when you go through perimenopause, that automatically makes you wonder like what am I doing like what why am I here what what's my purpose and have I done enough what can I do more to serve others or to 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 make my life 
count? Like, what if I died tomorrow, you know? And so I asked the universe, like, what should I do next? And the book came to my mind. And what I had been doing every day, going to the to the to the memorial bench and walking in the woods was reassessing my life. Like, who is Cindy now? Like, what do I want? And a lot of people don't stop and take the time to ask, what do what do I want? No. Like we all know what we need. Yeah, we need money. We need to pay bills. We need a house. We need food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you want? And uh, and that's the point in my life where I am. What do I want? And then the book came to my mind. And the reason for writing it is because of Dylan. And it's and then the the title went from reassessing life to more like reflecting on life. So mm-hmm. it's reflecting on life and growing through grief. Because Dylan, I know that, and I don't, I don't know how many of your listeners will appreciate this and they may or may not, but not everybody believes in clairvoyant people, but some people do like people who can talk to spirits and people who can, you know, channel that in. Mm-hmm. And Dylan told somebody who could channel him in that he, he wants me to see the bigger picture and he, and he wants me to pivot and he doesn't want me to be sad. He even woke up my neighbor one night in a dream and told my neighbor to tell my mom not to be sad. Oh. And so I know that he doesn't want me to be sad. And so how do you move through and not be sad? You write a book. <laughs> it's cathartic. It's it, huh? it helps you get through processing of it. And going back to what you said earlier in the episode, like, what do you say to a grieving parent? People don't know. And I didn't even know. So Mm -hmm. I wrote a chapter in my book on the do's and don'ts of what to say or what to do to help a grieving parent, because I think it's important. Like people really don't know. It's so awkward. Like uh, even if I had a best friend who lost a child, I think I'd still be, I would still have a challenging time, even though I know what it feels like. But one thing that everybody says, Marsha, is I'm sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss. You hear it. 300 a thousand times if i can urge people to not say that that would be the number one thing because i want to yell at them why are you sorry you didn't kill my son like honestly like like we say it because we just think it's like when how are you doing today i'm good everybody says i'm good well are you really yeah it's just a natural response so anyway what i would recommend is to just hug the person and don't say anything mm-hmm. like really that's what a lot of people just want is that hug because you know, the hug says more than words false words um false words or- that's thank you for saying that seriously thank you for sharing that because um taking it back unfortunately to this um announcement that we both saw on facebook i actually saw it read it and like 99% were, I'm sorry for loss. I'm sorry for loss. I'm sorry for loss. And I know know. people mean well, I know they mean well, but I just looked at it and I'm like, I can't right now. That's it. That's it. I just, I can't, I need to come up with my own words. And it's, it's interesting because, um, this is where it also comes into when you do a little bit of research and understanding like sympathy and empathy, like empathy is I hold space with you. Like I, I, I give you the hug. I don't have to give, you don't need me to say a word to fix it. Cause there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to fix this. This is like, how can I hold space with you? Sympathy is I'm sorry for your loss. And sympathy is if you are um, in a hole, if you've fallen in a hole 
Empathy is me going up and saying, Cindy, here's the rope. Let me help you out and, and support you. Sympathy is saying, I'm so sorry you're down there. Like that doesn't, there's nothing there. And we, so I don't say this to be cruel. I'm just, I'm glad that you mentioned that because people don't know, they don't know what to say. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, cause until you're through it, you, you, you really don't know. And like, I, I would rather have people say, however I can help, I will help. Just let me just, just know that I am here for you. Mm-hmm. and and that that's fine or like I, I I wrote down some of the things that you can say but I I even had a woman say to me at the celebration of life both separately to my husband and me and she's an older woman didn't know our relationship very well because she's like a family relative yep. not even a relative a family she was in town and she thought she'd come and show respect on behalf of my family, but she didn't know Darren at all. She didn't know our relationship. We've been together 30 years. Mm-hmm. And she says, in a condescending uh, way, she says, you know, that most couples who lose a child will end up divorced. It's like, why would anybody say that to a parent who just lost a child a week before? Like, yeah. honestly, like, yeah, we all know the stats. Like, mm-hmm. you don't need to say it, though. No, it doesn't serve anything, right? It's not helpful. It's not helpful. Um, That's actually, I I had somebody on who has written, I had a couple of people in the last uh, six months who've written books on grief from different perspectives. And it was, you know, definitely, um, I'm sorry for your loss is one. And um, that that one, that one's kind of next level. I don't think I've heard that one yet. Um, Because it's just like, yeah, it's just, there's no purpose. There's no purpose behind that whatsoever. The other one that people say, again, we're not making fun. I'm just like, want to clarify is let me know what you need. And both of them, the women that I interviewed, they're like, I don't even know how to what I'm doing in the next minute. Like, I don't know what I need. Exactly. Yeah. We don't, we don't necessarily need anything. Like, Mm -hmm. you know know what I mean? Like, um, but there, there were people that were really good and they kept checking in like every couple of weeks, like Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. Um, I'm thinking about you. Like, even I'm thinking about you is, is good Mm -hmm. enough in my opinion. Like I have so many people that, that didn't even know Dylan, but they knew us and they just, they then they didn't even have children and they felt so uh compassionate towards us and they even brought some gifts over and things like that like it was it was it was very nice of them and it was like yeah like it impacts people so much like i i mean i would probably feel the same way if someone i know lost their child like or even their spouse i mean it, it's you know you are stand and and they call a parent who loses a child a Viloma. Oh, V-I-L-O. Okay. V-I-L-O-M-A-H. Viloma. So we have a group, like, like, like everybody has a group, right? You have veterans, you have widows, you have orphans, you, but, but parents who went through a, a, a child. So Viloma is a Sanskrit word meaning against the natural flow of things because it's mm-hmm. unnatural for children to die before their parents. And, and it is such a hard thing. As a matter of fact, there is a young lad who just died here in a town next to us uh, by a chainsaw. He, he was twenty, oh. and I was at I was at I was presenting at a seminar at the Legion on Sunday, and the guy who was one of the former presidents of the Legion saw me there, 
And he says, Cindy, I was thinking of you today because I just helped bury a 20 year old. And I was thinking about you and and Dylan, because it was like just a year and a half ago that he had helped me with my son at the funeral home. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just such a, 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 like, it's, it's hard to even put in words how horrible it is to lose um, a child. Like, as you said, it's, it's not, it's not what the plan is. It's not at all what the plan is. Like you understand when it's a 97 year old grandmother, they led a good life. They had a long life. Um, even, even if it's somebody in their, you know, who's, who's gotten through having their children and, and gotten through retirement years, uh, you can understand that, but when they haven't even really started their life, like that's different. No, it's so different. It's so different when they've been in that, in that space. Um, yeah, there's just, there's so much there. So you are writing this book. You're continuing to speak more. How far are you in the book process? I know you've been working on it. Yeah. So it's still editing. Um, I've had three different editors, like different, different reasons for each editor. And so it's very close to being done. I think I'm aiming for June. Now it was, I was aiming for it to be done on my son's birthday in February. Mm -hmm. I had wrote it actually in two months. I wrote it. I woke up an hour early each morning from six to seven, wrote an hour every day for 60 days. Mm -hmm. And then I edited it in January and then enough that I could give it to an editor to edit it. Mm -hmm. And then, so it's, it's been a a long time editing it. And um, so now I'm going to get it to the formatters and that will take two weeks. So I'm aiming for June and then I'll, I'll be really promoting it. And, and it's not just about grief and death either, because do you know what a pattern, you know what a pattern interrupt is, right? Mm -hmm. Could you explain it for everyone? Yeah. So for, for everybody else, a pattern interrupt is when something stops you from doing the normal daily activities. Mm -hmm. It could be a divorce, a separation, a child that has to go into emergency for, or even yourself, you've had some kind of medical illness that you are just um, throwing on you. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's a heart attack, something that stops you in your tracks. And so or if you've lost anybody, or you, you've lost a job, that could be very detrimental for some people. If, if you lost your job, you've lost your identity. Mm-hmm. And now, where are you going to go now to get another job? And so this book is about what do you do to move through whatever you're going through? What are the steps that you need to do on a daily basis? Now, a lot of people think they know, and a lot of people do do great things. Like, but there are a lot of people that aren't taking care of themselves. They're not getting in the nutrition that they need. They don't even know where to start with that, or they don't even know where to start with exercise. And and I, I don't have like big chapters on exercise and nutrition. They're just paragraphs, like, or just chat, like, like a portion of the chapter. Uh, but I talk about all the other things that help with well-being and mindset, because a lot of people may not have had the self-growth that I've had with all the network marketing years I've had. I've been in a network marketing company for 16 years come June and you go to a lot of seminars, you do a lot of training. I've read a lot of books. I love reading. I love self-growth books. And if I could take and condense that down and throw it in my book for people to at least know what grounding is, what is meditating, what is, you know, like just all the different things, uh, gratitudes and, um, Yeah, there's just, so the whole section is moving through it. So the first section is what happened, 
the do's and don'ts of grief, and then the section of moving through it. And then at the end is the legacy part. What do you want to leave behind? Like, are you, have you thought about writing your own eulogy and what other people will say about you? Like, and, and the thing is like, we really don't know how much time we have. It could be tomorrow. Like I was in a car accident, what, two weeks ago and totaled my husband's truck. I saw that because we actually had another time scheduled. And then I saw your post. I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, like you just like <laughs> that. And that was, that was not a small truck, right? That was no, total. Yeah. It, like it, it you were lucky. And I totaled the other guy's car who cut me off. He, he t- like I had the right of way and he turned in front of me and I had very, very little time to react. I slammed on the brakes and I knew enough to get away from the airbag. I put my head back on the back of the, the yeah. chair as far as I could. And even so I did that and I straightened my arms and legs, which was good because I still ended up with a slight bruise on my knee the day after, but I walked away without a bruise that day. Um, I had Amazing. a fat lip from the airbag and a little bit of a sore nose, but like, honestly, I think angels were looking out for me, my guardian angel, maybe Dylan. Um, yep. But like, it was like that, that in an instant, your life can be gone. Mm-hmm. And did you do everything that you want to do? Like, don't hold off telling people that you love them. Don't hold off waiting to do that bucket list uh, or that trip that you always wanted to do because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. No, I, I'm, I so appreciate you sharing how that part is part of your book, because I think we're like living and creating our legacy every single day. I really do. I think I love that everyday legacy. Yeah, no, I think that the, the one thing about legacy, especially after we lost our friend in March, we actually helped to get her story published in October of last year. And it was very, it was a very heavy story. It was one of the heaviest stories I've ever had to help somebody else with. And the only time that we've ever had to consult a lawyer, like we actually, we actually had to bring legal in on her story. And as hard as it was, I just sat there with this immense gratitude that her story got out into the world, like just such a, a moment of like that her story got out into the world. And it really, I think I did a couple solo episodes on this piece on legacy is just that like, you're literally creating it every single day. You get to decide, like, how do you treat people? How do you leave them? How do you want them to feel when they're in your presence? Like it's, I think it's something we're doing every single day. How do you show up mm-hmm. each and every moment? Yep. And it's, that can be, that can also be, you show up vulnerably, you show up that, yep, having a hard day today. I show up that today I feel really good. I mean, we're humans, we're normal. I think that there's room for more of this in social media. I really do. So I love that, you know, you're sharing what you used and helped you to walk through a really difficult time because that's the, that's the piece of it. Um, sounds similar in a sense when I wrote my book in that, I wanted it to support people who had never walked on my journey. Maybe they didn't have to deal with substance abuse, but maybe they did lose somebody. Maybe something happened with their health. It's like, how do you navigate when it feels like the path is just, well, pattern interrupted, the whole thing just rips out. And it's like, okay, this is where I was going, but now there's absolutely no path there. And I don't even know where to go next. And so that's, that's life. You know what? I think the scariest thing for me, Marsha, about the whole situation is the uncertainty. 
because I was so certain. I actually named my team Team Certainty because I was certain about, about that. everything. Like yeah. I, I even had it like tattooed on my, well, um, I have determination tattooed on my wrist and I have possibility over here uh, with my retirement tattoo because I had everything figured out. I was going to jump out of military planes and be a medic. I did that. I, I married the man of my dreams. I had two beautiful children. I had the millionaire family, a boy and a girl. Um, I, I opened my gym. I wanted to open a gym and be a personal trainer, did all of that. And then now, and then became a millionaire, a cumulative millionaire in a, in a network marketing company, which not very many people do. Right. No. no. And become annual six figure income earners. I did all of that. But then when my carpet was ripped out underneath me, it was like, who am I? Like, I don't even want to do any of that anymore. Like it wasn't important anymore. Sales is not important. Your job's not important when you lose your child. Oh, thank you for saying that the way that you did. And I think that that is, I think that's a normal progression in the sense that, you know, we check the lists, right? We check the lists in our life. And then it takes, unfortunately, something where it's like, wait, does any of those lists matter anymore? Because they don't actually matter. They don't matter. Being perfect, being perfect too. Like having perfect hair, perfect um, house and, and making sure your floors are gleaming, shiny, like that stuff doesn't matter to me anymore. It's not that my house is messy or unkept, but it's just like, why do we worry and stress so much mm-hmm. when you could be outside enjoying nature? Mm-hmm. You could be with your child doing something fun, like playing pickleball, which my son really liked playing with me. He was hilarious and he loved it. Uh, we, we used to laugh so hard on the pickleball court because we were just goofy. And, you know, like enjoy your kids, enjoy your husband or your spouse or your partner. Um, now, like, don't worry about being perfect it's- because that is a core wound of many people being perfect and never reaching that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that level of, of like, I got to do this. I got to do that. And always rush. And there's so many people on medication for anxiety right now. There's so many people having heart attacks because they just are, and so, and cancer too. I I think that most people with cancer have had some form of stress. Mm -hmm. I think stress causes cancer. And so I, I just say to people like live life now. And that actually was our motto in our, our kettlebell, our outdoor kettlebell training. um, uh, Our motto is live life now. And I still live by that motto. It's actually in, in my book as well how important that is. And on the memorial bench, it it basically says the little things in life turn out to be the big things. Yes. And I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that like I, I wrote a thing for Mother's Day yesterday, because I also think that we we also need to be in a space of recognizing that these days that we think are the standard that are just you know, the days that define us, um, they're not easy for a lot of people. And, and I, you know, I really find that the, the one thing I've learned on my journey is how important those little things are. Like, I will say it all the time. My kids will be, you know, what would you like for your birthday? And I'm like, you know what, send me the text that I don't plan on. Call me do that. Like those things are so much more important than a gift or a thing in it. But that's me. That's, 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 it's time, time. I can't go back, right? Time is something that I think is just an incredibly important that we overestimate. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
So as your book is coming out, um, I would like to make sure where is the best place to connect people to you, to follow. Um, We will obviously make sure that we are supporting it and pointing people in your direction as well. I'd say my my uh, website because it also lists my podcast. And if people want to take the 90 second personality quiz, they mm-hmm. can do it there as well, because that's so important knowing your own personality values, because that is going to either make or break a relationship. So you need to know yourself and mm-hmm. treat other people, uh, maybe not the way that you treat yourself or like better than yourself, because some yeah. people are really hard on themselves, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, so many of us are so hard on ourselves. Yeah. Like we whip ourselves every day. It's like, yeah, you got to do this. You got to do that. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have that tea and read that book that you've wanted, mm-hmm. wanted to do. And I, I put off a book for eight years. I was writing my own book, but my own autobiography wasn't, wasn't enough to be published for, for other people. But when my son died, I had purpose. I had, I, I was very purpose-driven after that. Mm-hmm. And it was a calling. It was is something that I had, I wanted to do, not mm-hmm. had to do. I, I, well, I do, I did feel like I had to do it too, but you know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's like, that is you, you received that calling and you decided to do something with it. So this is the the thing, like you had that download that it was time to do it and you chose to do something with it. A lot of people get downloads. A lot of people get the nudges from the universe and you know, they still don't act on them because a lot of other things pop up, right? Like, can I actually do it? Who am I to do it? And you've taken this time and went, no, this is actually, this is, this is a big piece of what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. This is important. Mm -hmm. If I can help just one other parent you know, go through the grieving a little bit easier than that's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to how people can um, stay in touch or, or learn more about it, uh, www.health2wealth.ca. That's my website. Mm -hmm. And that will probably have the book um, uh, link there. And, uh, or people can follow me on LinkedIn under Cindy Little Mm -hmm. or on Instagram or Facebook under Cindy Little. And I also have a Facebook page, Health Too Well, mm-hmm. if people want to follow it to get some health tips. Yeah, awesome. I will make sure everything is in the show notes. And again, we will do what we can to continue to promote, support you while this comes out. I thank you for being here talking about a, it's a difficult topic. It's not easy. You openly showed up and shared yourself with us. And I just, I thank you for that. Um, when you reached out, I, I mean, I, I think we, we average probably 25 pitches a week right now. And when you reached out, I was like, it's an absolute no brainer. Yep. Absolutely. So I thank you for, you know, coming on and talking about a kind of topic that is uncomfortable. People don't want to talk about, but at the same time, we do want to know how to do things differently. We do want to learn from each other. And so I appreciate you being here and sharing this difficult topic today. Well, I appreciate you interviewing me. Thank you so much, Marsha. My pleasure. I have one more question for you. And it is, what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Well, I think my son taught us a lesson that life is short. Life life is little. (laughs) And so um, you got to live it now. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. If you love this episode, I invite you to tag me on social media with your takeaways or share it with a friend. Please, if you feel called, take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. Until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Mm -hmm.